0: up sons and daughters this is sam jesse with the crew from locks of saturday we are back and it is not football season but it is march i'm joined by brett chris ed and michael we're gonna go over some of the betting lines for this year's 2021 march madness tournament many people didn't think that we would make it but here we are one of the best times of the year so so exciting some great matchups to talk about. We're going to talk about some of our dark horses, some of our bracket busters, our final four picks, and of course, who we think is taking home the Natty Championship. Guys, how good did it feel to fill out that bracket this year?
1: Incredible. (laughs) Bliss. I don't know what were some other good words to say.
2: Well, long time coming very exciting hopefully we can actually get some games in and you know people don't get teams don't get screwed here
3: yeah we already have officials who are being sent home i saw tv teddy was sent home because that's for the better officials yeah a bunch of officials went to uh went to dinner in indianapolis and i guess there was a covid positive and some contact raising so hopefully that doesn't extend to the teams but um we're already starting to see it. I'm just hoping we get as many of these matchups as possible.
0: Yeah, That's hopefully it. nothing like yeah. that happens too much. And, you know, everyone can kind of stay in the little Indianapolis bubble. There, There's only so much to do in Indianapolis outside of like watch college basketball and eat really good steak. So hopefully uh, everyone can stay safe and stay healthy throughout the next few weeks. So we're going to get right to it. We wanted to talk about some of the dark horses. Now we define dark horses is a four seed or higher making it to the final four? It has happened quite a bit recently. There's usually one or two four seed or higher that makes it, but these are guys who we think can make the final four and legitimately have a shot to win a national title. Uh, Brett, we'll kick it off to you. Uh, give us your top two dark horses, and if anyone else has the same dark horse, uh, just pop in and go for it, Brett. I'm excited.
1: So I feel like I might be, I might have the having the first go here, I might have one that a lot of people have, and that's going to be Oklahoma state. And we all know why Oklahoma state is a dark horse and why they are going to be just a great tournament team. I mean, they have the best player in the country. So with was Kate Cunningham. So, I mean, it's like big time. I'm a big guy when it comes to tournaments, big time players make big time plays and big time games. And the tournament is perfect for a team like Oklahoma state that rallies around the best player, one of the best players in the country. So that's why I have kind of Oklahoma State. They can make a run for a couple reasons. One is I think Illinois, obviously, is one of the best teams in the country. Don't get me wrong, but Oklahoma State can score the basketball, and they still, but they still play pretty solid defense. So I think they can handle. They can handle Kofi and be okay on the inside. Um, and other than that, I mean, they have to get through Tennessee. I mean, before they get to Illinois. So I don't really see that being. A problem, Tennessee. I think the SEC is generally overrated. I mean, as we all know, Florida is somehow a seven seed and we're a 10 seed. I mean, we'll get to that later, but I don't really understand that. Um, they have to get through Illinois and they have to get through either Houston, West Virginia, Syracuse, or anybody in that bracket. And I think they can easily beat any of those teams in that bracket. They've already played West Virginia close a bunch this year. So, I mean, I think for me, Oklahoma State's my number one. Um, my number two, honestly, coming out of the East bracket is going to be Florida State. I really think that they can make a run at it as well just because of their pure size and athleticism. Um, Not sold on Michigan, just lost their best one of their best players. Um, I don't think they have, they would have a problem getting through them. I mean, Michigan is one of the better teams in the country, but Florida state had a weak run at the ACC, honestly. I mean, they didn't really show too much, but I think that's a test to do. They didn't play any games really. So, I mean, they lost in the championship game, but I mean, it is what it is. It's kind of hard to get in a rhythm when you don't play. So. Yeah, I'm going to say Florida State. I mean, they have to get through Michigan. That's the big one. Um, and they'd, have to, they'd have to get through Texas or Alabama. And again, I think the SEC is overrated. So I don't think anybody's... I think Alabama is a good match for Florida State. And if they were to make it and if we're Texas were to make it, I think Florida State would handle them well with their size and athleticism. So yeah. I would say Florida State would be my second dark horse.
0: Yeah, Brett, those are my top two. Um, and you got Oklahoma State. who's talked about best player, Cade Cunningham. They're at plus 600 to make the final four. Florida State is an insanely talented team and you know leonard hamilton is due for a final four appearance they're at plus 700 so yeah it's it's a lot especially with uh livers going down for michigan that makes that region totally totally different Uh, mike who do you have as your two dark horses
3: yeah so those two are pretty high on my list but i think one team i will definitely add to the mix is north carolina um look they're in certainly a tough region but i do think that they match up well, with Wisconsin, if you get past round one, that's a very tough opening round game for them. But if you get through round one against Wisconsin, you face off against Baylor in the round of 32. And I think with North Carolina's size and the way that some of their big men came along towards the end of the year. I mean, you think about the way that Armando Baycott obviously played in the ACC tournament. Walker Kessler's a little young, but you saw his potential. Dayron Sharp's been really good. But the most important thing for me, you know, when it comes to the NCAA tournament is good guard play. And the thing about North Carolina, you know, historically they've had really good guards, right? They don't necessarily have that this year, um, but they have guys who are really starting to come into their own. I really like the way RJ Davis and Caleb Love are playing right now. They're starting to play with a bit more confidence. They have a lot of talent, but they're so young and not as developed as they are usually. Um, but I think if they're able to harness some of the, you know, that growth that we saw throughout the latter part of the season and into the ACC tournament. I think North Carolina coming out of the South region could be a team to keep an eye on. You talk about all that, plus the fact that Roy Williams has the NCAA tournament experience. You know, they're a team, in my opinion, that could potentially make some noise and surprise some people. Um, my, My 1A is Florida State, you know, for all the reasons Brett just mentioned. The fact that they're playing really good basketball right now. They lost, obviously, a tough game in the ACC championship to Georgia Tech, but MJ Walker's playing really well. We saw what Raekwon Gray was able to do in the ACC tournament. So there's certainly potential there for Florida State in a wide open region now in the East, given the liver's injury at Michigan. So those are my top two. And then, again, Kate Cunningham at Oklahoma State. is hard to bet against the best player in the country, so that would be kind of my third team. But I think North Carolina deserves to be talked about a little bit just because of the way they looked uh, during the ACC tournament.
0: Yeah, North Carolina is plus 1800 to make the final four. That just doesn't sound right, but it's true. They're the nine seed and Wisconsin is a tough matchup, but North Carolina definitely has the more talent. Ed, who do you have as your dark horses? We've hit the main ones. Do you have another one?
2: Yeah, I do have another one. Uh, I I also have Florida State and Oklahoma State on my list for the same reasons. Best player in the country. And Florida State's just so athletic and talented that um, I could easily see them making a run. But my other one that no one's mentioned yet is Oregon. Um, They're a really, really talented team. I know Chris is really pissed off right now on the screen. I must have just taken his. But um, Oregon's a really good team. They've got a lot of talent top to bottom. And uh, Mike just touched on it a second ago. But, you know, guard play and leadership – Oregon's got two really good guards both seniors uh, averaging in double figures and that kind of thing can carry you in a tournament I just think um they might be the one Pac-12 team that everyone's kind of lumping the Pac-12 together and I think they deserve a little bit more respect than the rest of the bunch there so I'll go with Oregon
4: sorry I am I am still getting over the fact that Ed stole my Oregon pick because I thought I was going to be kind of the sharp the edge uh coming in with that out of nowhere but um so I did want to save one of my dark horses for one that I actually legit thinks is going to make the final four and I'll save that bit because it's coming out of left field for me. Um, but just to kind of beat the dead horse, it's all about guard play, not necessarily just good guard play, but the team with the most experienced upperclassmen who also have those looking to be projected NBA draft picks. So that's where I was looking at the kind of, you know, NBA draft net, the consensus model is looking to see kind of who could get some of these senior guards as like a, you know, late first round, early, mid second round type picks. We've seen it before, you know, like Jalen Brunson for Villanova in the past, Frank Mason, Gatorade play of the year. Those are types of teams that really go far in the draft. And so you usually don't see those players playing on dark horse type teams. They usually end up being on, you know, the, the top two or, or three C type teams, but other than Oregon, which I really liked, um, uh, one team I looked at was, uh, San Diego state, uh, People forget last year, I mean, this was a team that was, I think, 30-2 and two at one point before COVID hit. Um, they lost only one player off that team that went in the NBA draft. They came back. Uh, Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shakel, um, both are kind of, we talked about those uh, senior projected guards, uh, good guard play. Um, essentially, they're off the grid as much as here on a lot of people's radars just because, you know, they played out there in the Mountain West. Um, but, you know, that they're a team that could definitely make a good run just because they are back doing what they normally do, which is they, it seems like they're always in the mix as like a, a six plus seed that doesn't get a lot of national respect, even though they always post a pretty good record. So San Diego State, um, plus, if you look at their bracket, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think they're in the Midwest, um, but their path to West Virginia, Houston on that bottom bracket. And then you're really just looking at that matchup with a potential Illinois in the uh, the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. So as far as path is concerned, they do have a, a pretty, uh, quote-unquote, easy path to get into the Final Four. Um, trying to identify one other team. I did have them on there. Uh, no one's talked about them. Texas Tech. Uh, I do like the fact that, I mean, they don't play a lot of... Defense like they normally do, which was kind of their pride and joy from last uh, season when they made that deep run. But another one where it's just a, a, a pretty experienced, laden guard team played in a really competitive Big 12 all season long. I feel like those teams just kind of beat each other. Rob reminds me of like how the Big East used to post, like, eight to 10 teams in the tournament and they all had like, uh, seven losses on their record, but they're like battle scars going into the tournament, a lot more battle tested type teams. So that's just one we'll throw in there. Plus it's just fun to watch Mac McClung piss everybody off and play basketball. However he he wants to play, but
0: everything um, about Mac McClung seems like the kind of guy who's going (laughs) to go off on an NCAA tournament run.
4: Exactly. Everything about him. He reminds me of a person who you could essentially say he's going to be the guy that's going to explode and and average, you know, 25 plus uh, per game coming into this tournament. So uh, they're kind of a wild card. um, But I think that they are a team to watch out for, 6C coming in, I believe. Um, So I'm leaving off the one off of my actual final four that is my legit dark horse that I do actually have a stake in seeing how they get it. But uh, those are my dark horses that um, just a lot of fun to uh, to look at right now.
0: The Red Raiders of Texas Tech are at plus one thousand to make the final four. The San Diego State Aztecs are at plus twelve hundred. So definitely some uh, value picks, you could say. And I'm looking, yeah.
1: Let's go ahead. Circling back to North Carolina, but Mike was saying, I really think that is if assuming UNC makes it through Wisconsin, that is the absolute worst matchup for Baylor, and that I mean it's the worst defensive rebounding team in the country with Baylor or one of the worst versus the best offensive reading bounding team in the country with North Carolina. So it's going to be a absolute. <laughs> I like it's going to be an absolute brawl going down pretty much. It's going to look a lot like what our game, what Virginia Tech's game looked like in the ACC um, tournament. That's what it's going to look like. If what's I mean, if UNC gets through Wisconsin. So I, I was going to talk about North Carolina a little bit too, but Mike, you cover pretty much everything on that. So. I just wanted to go ahead and pop in on that.
0: Yeah, not to jump around too much, but Texas Tech has a really, really tough opening matchup with Utah State. Utah State—they beat San Diego State twice this season. The Mountain West was a sneaky tough conference. Utah State plays incredible defense; they're very well coached. That could be a—that'll be a really, really tough matchup for a Texas Tech team that did not finish the season very well. They, you know, this isn't a classic Texas Tech team where they're going to play really hard defense. This is more like the Texas Tech football team where it's just kind of chaos and craziness. But uh, yeah, guys, anything left on dark horses before we move to our bracket busters, which is really just the fun part of it. Like No one knows if any of these are going to happen, how they're going to happen, but we love to talk about them.
4: I would just throw out there, we were mentioning before the podcast started, but it is important to note that I guess a five-plus seed has made the final four out of the last 14 years, I think about 10 times. Uh, so this isn't just out of nowhere, like try to find the best value on a team that can legit make it because it's more than likely one of them will.
0: That's a great point. Uh there's a really good article up on ESPN.com about just kind of the seeds and how well they do as a whole in the last few tournaments. Really interesting stuff. All right, we'll go to the Bracket Busters. Again, these are 10 plus seeded teams that we think can make the sweet 16. I'll start with mine and I'll just get it out the way. No bias, but Virginia tech could definitely make the sweet 16 as a 10 seed. I I mean, they they're probably the better team than Florida. Who's the seven seed. And then Ohio state is a obviously very, very good team. Ohio state has lost five of their last eight and two of those wins were in overtime. So I, I wouldn't bet on Virginia tech to make the sweet 16, but if a 10 plus seed is going to make a sweet 16 tech has the best case out of pretty much anybody barring an unforeseen upset anywhere else. Um, guys, what do you think about the tech pick? Cause we might as well just talk about it now.
3: I think it's look, I mean, if you're a Virginia, a Virginia tech fan and you look at the Hokies on the 10 line and you look at the other regions and who's seated at 10, I mean, I'd take Virginia Tech out of any of the 10 seeds. Um, I think they're the best 10 seed in the field. I think this is a favorable opening matchup with Florida. You know, Florida can pose some issues with their size in the backcourt. That's a little bit concerning. Um, Trey Mann, Scottie Lewis, six five. I mean, that could pose some issues. But when you consider the advantage that the Hokies may have in the frontcourt, I think when we've seen Virginia Tech struggle this year, Outside of like the Penn State game when, you know, the Nittany Lions were unconscious from three, like when we've seen Virginia Tech really struggle, it's been against bigger teams. And most recently, of course, against North Carolina. I think Tech has enough guys on the wing to slow down Florida's size in their backcourt. I think that's a very favorable 10-7 opening round matchup for the Hokies. And then real quick on Ohio State. If you're going to face a two seed in this tournament, face the one with nine losses, right? And Ohio State, when they've been at their best, they've been one of the five best teams in college basketball this year. But we've also seen them struggle throughout mid to late February and early March. Obviously lost a really tough one there at the end of the uh, Big Ten tournament. And they're a very good team, but they're not unbeatable. I mean, I think the Hokies will have an opportunity if they get to a round of 32 in that game against Ohio State. Uh, to win in advance to the Sweet 16. Um, I don't love Virginia Tech's chances to make it that far, but I think it's certainly possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility, and I think given the other matchups you see in the other regions, I think Virginia Tech lucked out You know where they were placed and kind of what they have in front of them in the first two rounds.
0: Ed, I'll kick it over to you. You've been covering the Hokies pretty well this season along with Mike. It's the whole rest-versus-rust debate for the Hokies. A lot of pause due to COVID. They have to be feeling good about... How rested they are, at least.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I view it the rest versus rust thing. I view it as more of a negative. Um, I kind of have all year long this team and any team really uh, on Alpha of such long breaks. Um, I think they can overcome it, and I do think they did get a favorable matchup as a ten seed. Um, I think they're a really good ten seed. I tweeted that out yesterday when uh, when we found out. Um, to build off of Mike's point, the other ten seeds are VCU, Maryland, and Rutgers. Um, I think Maryland's a pretty good ten seed. Um at times they're higher than that. And at times they shouldn't even be in the tournament. Um, so they could make a run too as a 10 seed. but I do like Virginia Tech's chances um against both Florida and potentially a matchup with Ohio State. I haven't been very impressed with Ohio State at all um, the last month. I feel like every time I turn the TV on, they're playing a big game outside of, you know, the other day they played Big Ten Championship, but they they lose a lot of games late and close. Um and I like the Mike Young coaching matchup pretty much against anybody. Um, so I think the hookies are in a good spot. I think, you know, no one wanted to see them on that eight nine line. And uh I was pretty happy to see them with a ten against Florida. But Florida's also, you know, they're a power five school with power five athletes. Uh Trey Mann's a really good guard, and they've got a big guy as well. Um, who could who is a better big man matchup than UNC presented. Those dudes were big and heavy, and this guy's just big, um, which I think Kevin Aluma's Good enough and strong enough to deal with just a tall skinny guy versus a bunch of big, heavy dudes like he had to deal with against UNC. So uh, all in all, I think it's a good matchup, but you know, I I'm viewing this year from a Hokies perspective, similarly to, you know, Buzz's first run of the tournament. Yeah. You know, guys haven't been there before um, that kind of thing. So we'll see. I mean, hopefully the lights aren't too bright and the boys can come out of there. And uh, I think if I do view this as well, similarly to what I viewed Duke in 2019, where if we beat Duke, I think we beat Michigan State in the in the next round in the Elite Eight. I do think if we beat Florida, we beat Ohio State. Um I, I think we'll be we're kind of a hot and cold team. I think if we're hot two days later, we can beat Ohio. Uh they don't pose much of a, a matchup problem for me, or at least in my eyes.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll get back to my next one is another team from the Buckeye State. Um, and, and I'm taking, I'm taking a little bit of a cheat out with this one, but I think if Ohio can beat UVA and, and I'll tell you what UVA has not been good this year, how UVA is a four seed. I have no idea. Um, I I think the committee looked a whole lot into their offensive efficiency and didn't actually watch UVA play because that team cannot score their defense is not where it usually is. And they have zero depth with their big men. Um, those things don't bode well in the NCAA tournament. I think Ohio has a shot there. Ohio's at plus eight right now. That's a really, really good uh, spread to bet. Um, And then the game right below that, UC Santa Barbara has been really really good this year they have crushed everybody they've played they've played no one really good but they've crushed everybody they've played and we usually see teams that do that do pretty well in their first game even if they don't win they do pretty well Creighton just got the doors blown off of them by a 500 team in Georgetown so I think that could be a situation where in the second round you have a 12 seed and a 13 seed playing each other for the right to go get beat by 100 by Gonzaga so that could be one where you do see a bit of a bracket buster. Um, you, you know, I, I think those are two teams that are really good. Like they have a lot of talent. UC Santa Barbara's done great in the transfer portal. So we'll see, Brett, what do you have for your bracket busters?
1: Sam, that is hilarious because I have the same exact thing in the round of 32. Let's go. Um, I have the same exact, um, I guess, matchup. My reasons for, Virginia getting beat by Ohio, not necessarily because I think they're overrated, but they can't even fly to the game until Thursday evening. And they show up Friday and they play on Saturday. And Ohio's already there. They're practicing. And I just, every team I've watched this year has come off a COVID pause, including Virginia Tech, pretty much comes out flat. I mean, it's really hard to come out flat for the ACC, I mean, the NCAA tournament, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, Ohio's um, – I forgot his name. I People have told Jason me like three Preston. times. Jason Preston, yeah. hes I watched his highlight tapes earlier or, like, his highlights this season. And, again, he's another guy that, from what I was watching, is a dude that really can elevate a team once he starts playing well. And if Virginia starts getting buckets scored on them, it could really spell trouble, especially if they're cold from not practicing for seven or so days. So, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. Um, Creighton's got the – like you said, the door's blown off him. I can see Santa Barbara getting in. And then for me, I have Santa Barbara or what was it back in Hannah, Montana. They used to say Santa Babra. I used to see them. I could see them going uh, the sweet 16. Yeah. And getting the, getting absolutely annihilated by Gonzaga. But my other team is actually from the ACC. That's not Virginia tech and it is Syracuse. And hear me out here. People are probably like, Oh my God, Syracuse barely got in blah, blah, blah. They should have beat Virginia. Let's Rashad Beekman hit a 3. It was a third third or fourth 3 of the year. Didn't score a whole point the whole game. And if Syracuse sent the game to overtime, they were winning the game. I will tell you that right now. So, Syracuse I think can beat San Diego State, especially when you have a player like Buddy Beheim that can absolutely light it up and they're efficient. And the 2-3 is one of the hardest game, one of the hardest defenses to play because nobody runs it anymore. And especially in tournament style when you face a 2-3 after been on, especially on tired legs. I don't know. I think it can be a little frustrating for a lot of teams, and um, it's all going to really come down to, I guess, Syracuse's shooting. But history does repeat itself, and I think it does in the tournament a lot of times. Both the last two times Syracuse has made the Sweet Sixteen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty positive they were du- they were double digit seeds the last two times they made the Sweet Sixteen. So I would say my two, my two bracket busters are going to be Syracuse and I'd say Santa Barbara.
4: I almost agree with you on Syracuse, but I like the Jason Voorhees of NCAA tournament basketball. Every time you turn around, you'd look and see there's Syracuse just like a chasing after you, or I guess walking after you, but, um, uh, I actually went a little bit differently with the the value of the 11 seed um, traditionally over the last, especially 10 years of NCAA games. I mean, the 11 seed has had a really, really solid record of upsetting the six and getting, uh, at least in the first round. And then, um, I mean, even if you remember, like, I think it was uh, Loyola, they were 11 seed. You mentioned Cuse. Uh, there's just a lot of examples over the last 10 years of 11 seed, at least getting into the Sweet 16. So um, of the ones I looked at, it's actually the one where there's a play-in for it. I love Wichita State or Drake, either or, um, to get into uh, the Sweet 16. Um, just essentially is, uh, and actually in that one, I actually like Drake more so than Wichita State. Um, and then on the other side, the one 12 seed I like, which is Winthrop. Um, and the only reason I like these two teams is because they bomb threes. And if I can find a team that can just go in and, and essentially just get hot for two straight games, bomb threes, catch teams off guard who aren't necessarily ready. And then you're looking in that one bracket, especially for the Drake matchup. I mean, you're looking at uh, a pretty soft USC uh, Pac-12 basketball wasn't that great to look at. Evan Mobley is, you mean, know, he's a freshman kind of one and done type player, um, especially since he's a front court player, not necessarily a guard. Um, and then. You look at Kansas, which we've also talked about the, you know, sit out for COVID protocols. We don't even know if Kansas is still even given the green light to play in the tournament. I'm pretty sure they're going to play, but it's going to be pretty close for them getting in. So it's the same thing. So I I could see a possibility for either Wichita State or Drake um, just based off of that. And then I decide just Winthrop um, Nova to me is not where they should be as a program. This was a down year for them um, and kind of a disappointing uh, season overall. And Purdue kind of the same thing where I feel like that's another team that you can catch off guard. If you just get hot and just, just light it up from three point range and Winthrop has done it all season. And they're probably one of the best just straight up betting teams. I think all season long, other than Gonzaga um, and Baylor um, just, maybe they can carry a little bit of momentum going into the tournament. Plus they come in from the big South and I don't know, just love that conference, love their ability to come in. And it's probably one of the more exciting conferences in general to root for a Cinderella team to come from. So those are my two teams to, uh, to come in and and break
0: break up some brackets though. Yeah. I have Winter beating Villanova and I think a lot of people are going to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike is
1: third in the country in tempo. So, and that's and that usually translates well to NSA tournament play.
0: 11 so, players who play double thing. digit minutes per game. Insanity. Yeah, they
1: average, they average 73 possessions a game. It's crazy. Yeah.
3: Winthrop's going to be really annoying to play. And if you're Villanova losing Colin Gillespie, uh, like you mentioned, Chris, I mean, that's been really tough for Villanova. And they really just haven't played their best basketball since losing him. And you know, every year we always pick a 12-5 upset or two in all of our brackets. This one, I feel like, is essentially picked for us already. I mean, I just have a hard time seeing Villanova win this basketball game. Winthrop's got multiple guys who shoot over 35% from three. They get up and down the floor. It's just going to be tough for Villanova, I think, to keep up in this game, especially if Winthrop gets hot for from three. So Winthrop is one of my picks um, as a potential Sweet 16 team. Um, Because I think when you get to the round of 32 and you're playing the winner of Purdue in North Texas, I think you're going to, once again, be in a position where you can run and gun from three and not be at a distinct disadvantage. Purdue is good. They're not great. Um, I was a little surprised to see them on the four line. Um, But I think if they get past North Texas, I don't think Winthrop in a round of 32 game necessarily needs to be scared or overwhelmed in that matchup. I think Winthrop could definitely make a sweet 16 run. I really like that Syracuse pick, Brett, that you made. Um, I, I have San Diego State moving forward, so I think they're better, but Syracuse is a hard team to play. 2-3 um, zone, like you mentioned, um, hard to prepare for on short notice. And, you know, Syracuse, if they do get past San Diego State, that's going to be a clash of playing styles and a potential round of 32 game with West Virginia that would be really intriguing to me. You know, West Virginia likes to speed up the game. Syracuse likes to slow down the game. And I really like the way Syracuse's offense played in the ACC tournament. It really felt like they were starting to find something. Obviously, Buddy Bayheim was unconscious, but um, the whole offense just felt like they started to find their footing, and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. So sitting there as an 11 seed in the Midwest, you know, they're an intriguing pick as well. But – The one team that nobody's really talked about yet, and I think it's because of their round of 32 matchup that they potentially have to play, is Michigan State. Um, I was surprised that Michigan State was one of the last four teams in and ended up in the first four. I was surprised that Syracuse wasn't the 11 seed that was chosen there. Um, But look, Michigan State has beaten two of the one seeds in this tournament, right? I mean, they've beaten Michigan, they've beaten Illinois, they've beaten a two seed in Ohio State. We've seen the best and worst of Michigan State this year. Um, Obviously, throughout late January into early to mid-February is when they made their run to really cement their spot in this tournament. But I thought it was more of a surefire thing than the committee did, obviously, putting them in the first four. But i like Michigan State to win that game against Mick Cronin and Gonzaga. Tom Izzo in March is a problem, guys. And that's a game in the 11-6 matchup. Um, in round one, in the round of 64, where Michigan State gets past UCLA in the first four and plays potential there for 6-11 upset with Michigan State moving on to the round of 32, it would not be an easy game against Texas for sure. Um, That would be a very difficult game for Michigan State, but if we see the version of the Spartans that played against Michigan, that played against Illinois, that played against Ohio State and won those games and played with confidence with their guards and you know the way they can shoot the basketball, they could be a potential sleeper here not only coming out of the first four, but making it to the Sweet 16 and beyond if they get past Texas. I, I don't I don't bet against Tom Izzo in March. Ed and I have talked about that on on our podcast multiple times. It's just really hard to pick against him. So that's one team I think that everybody should have circled. And I don't think anybody would be surprised to see them make a run, given the coaching pedigree and the program that they've had for so many years.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep it in the Big Ten real quick. Maryland is a team that I think could, that we've seen Maryland play really, really good basketball. They can shoot the three ball really well. Um, UConn is a tough matchup because of Booknight, who has been injured for a lot of the year, but he is the classic UConn guard that can just take over the game. Uh, he's really good, but UConn's been up and down. I think if Maryland gets past them, they have a, they'll be able to score enough with Alabama and Alabama, they don't play defense. So if they have even a, a mediocre to below average shooting night, Maryland could catch them. So that's Maryland's a team to kind of look out for. I don't, I feel like the other ones, Michigan state's a great one, uh, more than Maryland, but could definitely see it. Uh, any other, uh, bracket busters.
2: Yeah. Do I'll just know. add a little commentary, uh, before we move on to the next segment, but I also had Winthrop. I mean, they have a six-seven guard who's had three triple doubles this year, and and in a team that plays such a high tempo game, the the other team needs to have good guard play. And with Colin Gillespie out, um, that could spell turnover nightmares uh, for Villanova. Once you know what that game gets going up and down, up and down, you don't have your primary ball handler. That could be a big issue. So I also have Winthrop, but uh, that also seems like one that's very popular. So therefore, it's probably not going to happen. Um, And then the one thing I wanted to say about Maryland is Maryland is really good in spurts. Um, They'll blow you out in the first half and lose by 20 in the second half and lose the game by five. Uh, That's just kind of how they are. that's, you know, Mark Turgeon is Mark Turgeon. Um, But I agree with you. Maryland is the type of team that could make a little run. They do score the ball and they play really good defense. They play basically like five wings. They're all like six, six, about the same weight can do the same things. Uh, So they are very good defensively. They can switch and guard everything. So I do like that pick for you as well, Sam.
0: It sounds stupid, but if I close my eyes and I picture like commercials for March Madness and like the highlight videos, I can see Maryland in their red, black and yellow uniforms, like jumping up and down, celebrating, pulling an upset like it. That looks right. I some like it sounds so stupid, but with some teams like I, I just don't see that. Like I don't see North Texas celebrating in my head. I can't picture it. So that's really stupid. But Maryland's just one of those teams that it if someone to tell you like, yeah, Maryland would make an Elite Eight run, you'd be like, Yeah, that tracks. Like, I could see that happening. Um But that's just the dumbest. sports. back faith. to
1: stand back to Syracuse. If they were to make if they were to win and then get to West Virginia, um, West Virginia would based just off statistics would have a seriously Tough time against the two three zone because they are two hundred West Virginia's two hundred and fifty-fourth in the country in non-transition efficient field goal rating. So meaning that they're not going to get any shots up unless they start hitting threes, which is West Virginia is not known to do. So they better play some good defense on Buddy Beheim that if Syracuse gets there, or they're gonna be in trouble.
4: I just want to say that all circling back to Virginia Tech against that potential Ohio State matchup, we do have to remember that. Kevin Aluma did play in that game against Kentucky when Fletcher McGee is still hitting air balls. Um, I think he went, what was that game? Uh, uh, pulled it up. He went four for 17 in that game. Um, and Aluma had 11 rebounds. Probably some of those were McGee's <laughs> coming off of the rim. Uh, but it is good to know that he has played in a Mike Young system. He's now the focal point of that system going into a tournament. So he's tournament tested in the same system with the same coach. So I do think that continuity uh, is pretty invaluable right now as they're making the preparation going into the tournament of having uh, that relationship with the coach and kind of running an offensive. But it's also good to know that Storm Murphy also played minutes in that game as well. So I was just going uh, to say that. Off as far as a, a deep battle-tested uh, coach Mike Young uh, essentially recreating and bringing the band back together at Virginia Tech from those Walker days. So, um, I would, and I have Virginia Tech moving into uh, the sweet 16 as well, just based off of that. I I do think that that continuity helps out a lot in this time of the
0: year. Well, speaking of a team that has a lot of continuity, um, Gonzaga always seems to just reload. I I think for a mid-major to be able to recruit like they do and get multiple five stars lottery picks all over the floor for them again, this year, does everyone have them in their final four? before we get to the Final Four talk? Yes. Ever, ever, yes. Yeah.
1: Who? Who? Gonzaga. Sorry, I missed that. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Gonzaga, if you were to bet right now on Gonzaga to make the Final Four, it is at minus 210. That is stupid. That is What is the
4: championship odds? Why? What, was that? what is the championship odds? I've missed that from The earlier. championship
0: odds for Gonzaga are... I'm looking at it, and my laptop froze.
2: Probably like what plus one ten, right? I
0: think it is about plus one ten. Yeah.
2: Based on (laughs) what you just said, there's only be one more game.
4: Yeah. If you can get them a plus value to make the championship game, I I would heavily agree with that.
0: All right, so I'm just laptop is fixed, guys. Um, Gonzaga is plus two hundred to win the championship. Okay. I
2: mean, they've got a pretty clear path and, you know, I'll kick it off with the Gonzaga discussion here, I guess, but I have on my notes next to them as one of my final four teams now or never. uh, They've got a pretty good region to make this run and they've got a pretty ridiculous team depth, uh, top end talent. You know, they have lottery pick talent on that team. So I think it's kind of now or never for Gonzaga. If they're going to make a run, they've got the bracket to do it. Um, So I definitely have them in my final four.
4: I'll go ahead and stamp that. Um, It's not even just now or never with this type of players. And you said lottery pick, uh, the presumptive second pick overall. um, with So they're coming in with just a different type of team. But another one, what I mentioned earlier, was just who has the most amount of high-end guards. Um, So it's not just necessarily uh, Suggs. I'm pulling up here real quick. But if you're just looking across the board, um, you have Kispert, who's essentially like, another just senior veteran three-point shooter can come in, bomb threes. Um, you also have Timmy and Ayi. I mean, those guys are projected to be late second rounders, but if you look at why they usually fell short, it's because they didn't have those guards on those previous teams. If you look at Gonzaga's best players from years past, you're talking about Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark. Um, if you kind of go back through their draft history, I mean, it's pretty much just that. Collins, Sabonis, Olenek. Uh, even Morrison and and if you do a deeper pull, Ronnie turry off, like they've never been a team that has necessarily had that elite guard play. Well, they have that now, and that guy's gonna be the number two pick. Um, so this team seems like it's just ready to be finally going from making the final four, finally ready to going into the championship game to actually win a championship. So at that plus two hundred odds right now before the tournament starts, you know that is incredible value for a team that's pretty much has the easiest path to get there as a top seed.
0: Yeah, but I'd, I'd agree wholeheartedly on that. Gonzaga 7-0 against current uh, teams in the tournament field. They have been literally flawless. Um, average margin of victory, 23 points. 23. That's a lot. Um, so we'll move down to kind of to the next region. We'll do this region by region. The East region. This one's really interesting because as we talked about earlier, the one-seed Michigan uh livers is most likely going to be out for them at least for the first few games. Um they're a team that maybe peaked a little too soon, maybe not peaking at the right time. Um and then you got some other really good teams in there. Alabama can just outscore you. They're basically an NBA team. Uh Colorado's got a lot of good players. Florida State again Leonard Hamilton has those guys rolling. Texas, what Shaka Smart has done with Texas, he's finally capitalized on that talent. So this is a really talent rich region i actually have one of my dark horses making it out of this region i have florida state i think they're the type of team that can make michigan go up and down the court michigan's not going to want to do that michigan wants to beat you in the half court um i I think they they'll get past unc greensboro with relative ease uh colorado is a good team, but they're a good Pac-12 team. I think Florida State um, could wipe the floor with them as well and have a lot of momentum going into that game against Michigan. So uh, I I could see that being a Florida State versus Texas Elite Eight. And then that's just kind of a toss-up game for me. And I think Florida State can get it done. I'm rooting for Leonard Hamilton. Um, they got talent. They got size. They can score in multiple ways. Uh, I, I think Florida State is... A sneaky good pick to make it to the final four uh right now they're at plus 700 so plus 700 can make a fair fair amount of moolah on that one uh brett who do you have out of the east region
1: so i have a couple different <laughs> you know it's kind of hard for me because i make a few um so for this so i'm gonna go with two that i think or i think could happen Based on fair scenarios, um, four states one for all. I mentioned you said, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people can say that based out of uh, what's happened in Michigan with Livers and him going out and four states athletic ability and Leonard Hamilton's experience at least and just coaching in general. Um, I think it's very easy to say that they could definitely make it to the Final Four, even if they're considered a darker dark horse, um, a team that's not getting a lot of love right now. I mean, I think rightfully so in some aspects, but I think they can really turn on is Texas with Matt Coleman. Um, I was lucky enough to watch him play in high school because he's from Norfolk. Um, and Virginia Tech couldn't land him, but I think he was, you know, this was before the buzz train was, you know, um, or was taking off a little bit, but Texas came in there and swooped him with Shaka Smart. Um, I think this team can really elevate around him. And I'm still a big proponent of big time guards and, and big time games, make big time plays, as I've already said a few times tonight. And um, I think if they can make a serious run at the Final Four, if uh, Matt Cohen really lights it up, um, if he drops 30 a game or starts dropping more than 20, at least I think they really can uh, make a run at it. Especially, I think they have an easy path to get to Florida state beating, uh, uh, beating Alba and Christian then probably facing Michigan state or BYU, uh, uh, Michigan state, BYU or UCLA, depending on who that is. Um, and then p- having to face either Alabama, Maryland or Connecticut, essentially. So I think they have a pretty easy path once they get to Florida state. And I think they can beat Florida state if, depending on what four state team shows up.
3: I like Texas too. Um, Texas is my pick to come out of this region. Now I do think it's wide open. I I could just as easily see Michigan making a run without Libbers as I could with, you know, I, I would obviously feel a lot better if they had him in the lineup and we don't know what his availability is going to be moving forward, obviously, but I think they could have peaked too early and I'm with you guys. And I, I really liked this Michigan team about three weeks ago. And now I'm not so sure I like him as much, um, even in this region where, you know, there are a lot of tough teams here that could be sneaky and make a little bit of a run on paper. I think the East is the region that could bust a lot of brackets. Um, although that's never, we all know that's never how it actually works. Um, but I think if we're looking for a team outside of Michigan, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think it's gotta be Florida state or Texas. Like those have to be the picks. I think just given the top end talent, Alabama not getting a lot of love here <laughs> for me. Um, but I just have trouble seeing them. Um, get past Texas uh, if it makes it to that point in the sweet 16. So I I don't know. I just really like this Texas team. Shaka smart, a guy who's been experienced. He's coached um, in March. uh, He's brought teams who are not nearly as talented as this Texas team um, to really great heights, obviously. And I I really like the way that they're playing right now and Shaka smart had a lot to prove coming into this year and he's done a heck of a job. So um, having really good coaching in March matters too. That's, that's why, you know, Michigan State is a sneaky pick with Izzo. That's why Shaka Smart, it's hard to bet against him. And that's why we're all t- sitting here talking about Leonard Hamilton with Florida State as a four seed that could potentially make a run out of that region.
0: Really quick while you mentioned Shaka Smart, he looks weird with hair. I don't like that. I don't, that's... Oh, there's that's, me a lot. One of the main reasons I actually picked Florida State over Texas was I don't like Shaka Smart with the hair. I also, a little little bit of a grudge from, from how uh, it ended with VCU. Um, yeah.
1: I do. Sam, crazy stat for Texas, actually. Um, they've played 13 top 25 games Insane. out of their 20 games.
0: Insane. So well, I,
1: not, they've been tested over and over again.
0: The one thing I will say is with some of those Big 12 teams, they could have lost to high school teams and they still would have been in the top 25. Like Texas Tech lost like four in a row and stayed in the top 25. But yeah, they are very, very battle-tested. And another thing before we move on to um, Ed and Chris – I have the top four in this region are Michigan, Texas, or excuse me, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, and Florida state. What if I told you that those four teams were playing in a playoff format and it was not football?
2: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Actually. I never (laughs) really thought of it that way. Uh, I also have Florida state and you guys have kind of, you know, beat that horse to death. So I'm not going to pile on too much. They're just super athletic. Uh, I think they were the best team in the ACC all year long. They had multiple battles with COVID pauses. Um, it kind of, slowed them down a little bit, but they're a really, really good team and a lot of top-end talent. So I'm going to go with Florida State as well. And then one more thing on of Smart. He kind of did the same thing as Buzz, right? Bald to hair all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. an interesting, uh, interesting path to hair there. But, yeah, I mean, Texas is a good team as well, but I think the state's length and athleticism to potentially get out of that region and beat Michigan.
0: I'd say I'd, I'd know that Buzz Williams had hair, but his team hasn't been good enough to be on national television all year, so so I'm not sure. Chris, petty, what do you have petty, petty, out of this? Petty. No, I, I love Buzz, but it was just too easy. Texas A&M is, oh Brent, man, they're awful. Compared Brent to is a great basketball coach. Don't you say that about him. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: I'm going to completely go in a opposite direction of everyone else here. I have UConn and I'll say for a couple of days
3: pick Chris. I like that.
4: So number one, I really like Dan Hurley as a head coach. I feel like over the last three years, he's grown that program back into what Kevin Ollie destroyed it from being. Um, and they're finally back. And as soon as they get a little momentum and they were getting some at the end of last, last season, I felt like they were kind of there's always a year before the year. I felt like last year if they played it through, they would have been the surprise kind of 11 to 10 plus C team that might have made a run, um, before this year where if they hadn't had, I think it was almost nine games canceled or postponed throughout the season. They had book night out for eight games. They went, I think four and four in those matchups. They're finally back They're They're healthy. They've been playing continuously, I think since February, um, and not only do they have book night, but I think RJ Cole, um, you just have a really solid supporting cast uh, this year with them. Um, just overall great guard play. We've mentioned that before across the board, they're three deep. Um, and it just feels right. Cause they're back in the big East. It just feels like it's basketball again with UConn in the big East. They have, uh veteran guards one of them book is a top 10 projected pick it's just like all is right in the in the world again so i feel like this is the year that they're going to start turning heads make a deep run plus the bottom end of that bracket i feel like is very weak considering the the, the matchups they possibly have and essentially if it's lined up against a possible matchup with i have them facing i think it's michigan um overall in that uh that excuse me that elite mate matchup I think that they can just get hot and go on a run. Uh, I think, what was it? I can't remember how many years ago they did that run with Shabazz Napier. Um, Booknight, a much better player. They just have the pedigree. I feel like teams that have the pedigree and, and should be there tend to show up at this time of year for the program kind of name on their chest sometimes. So they just kind of like play up to what they should be. So I'm going with UConn uh, to make the Final Four.
0: I don't hate it. And it it, it just feels right for UConn to be good at basketball. Feels It does. There's always, like I said, there's always at least on average a close to a seven plus
4: seed that makes the final four of the last 14 years. And of all the seven plus seeds that have a legitimate path in there, they were the one that matched up based off those elements. So uh plus I can't imagine that there would be tremendous value right now from a futures perspective at, at putting UConn to make the final four. So if you can find that, just put some put a small investment into that. I imagine if it hits, uh you'll you'll be very, very happy.
0: I will check out those odds right now as brett tells us who he has coming out of the south
1: out of the south region um i feel like a lot of people are gonna have this one too i mean it's got to be baylor i think right now um i think there's i mean people have questioned them a little bit in the last couple weeks just because of their performance but i still think they're the best team out of the south um like i said i think north carolina is going to be really tough for them um I don't color me shocked if North Carolina beats Baylor. Um, we said it early on in this episode. So I think I'm going to take, uh, Baylor out of the South region. Um, I just don't foresee them. If Ohio state, let's say the two, let's say the two seed makes it all the way through. I don't foresee them having any trouble against Ohio state. Um, Texas tech makes it through. Maybe I think Baylor can handle Texas tech. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's gotta be Baylor out of that region. If they get through, uh, uh North Carolina. Now if North Carolina beats them, I think that region just
2: absolutely blows open. So but I'm gonna go with Baylor. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Brett just said. I think um I think people kind of forget how good Baylor is because of their COVID pauses and you know they struggled a little bit after their break. Um but they're they're really good. And you know early in the year it kind of seemed like a two horse race for this entire national championship Gonzaga Baylor, Gonzaga Baylor Um, I think people after their COVID pause kind of forget how good they are. And I think they kind of return to form here and make it out of that region. But like you said, North Carolina is such a weird matchup, um, that anything can happen when they play, but, uh, I'm going to go with Baylor as well.
0: Yeah, I, I got Baylor coming out of this one. Um, you bad radio, you can't see my handwritten bracket, not on zoom, but In the pink is my notes. I had a lot of notes. This is a tough region for me. Uh, We've talked about Virginia Tech at the bottom of that bracket. Utah State, Texas Tech. That's a hard game. Uh, Arkansas is a really good team, but again, how good is the SEC? We don't know. Winthrop, they have Cinderella written all over them. Um, But at the end of the day, Baylor's the best team. They're the most talented. Butler and Teague are probably the best guard combo in the country. Um, They can shoot three. They have size. You know, This is a team that Looks like a national championship caliber team. Don't overthink it. Uh, I got Baylor. Uh, And while I'm talking, Chris, UConn is plus 1,300 to make the final four. So I thought it would be a little bit higher, but plus 1,300 for Connecticut. And Baylor is only plus 115 to make the final four. So Vegas really likes the Bears coming out of this region.
4: Well, you can look this one up right now because I have Arkansas coming out of the South.
0: Plus Um, 700.
4: There you go. I'm just giving out value right now. Uh, Two words, Moses Moody. I love Moses Moody. I love him as a projected lottery pick. Uh, He has been phenomenal all season long. He's the most kind of, I would consider well-rounded, one of those like tweener kind of combo guards, but it just feels like him running the offense, he's got a veteran squad. I do think that overall, um, the SEC has been down, but find value in finding an SEC team to pop up and and make a deep run. And of all the SEC teams that have the most amount of, I would say, blend of, of because you can look at Alabama, but Alabama is so one-sided. It's tough to pick them to make a deep run because like you said before, if they have a bad shooting night, there's no way that they're going to stop anyone else from scoring. To me, Arkansas is not that. Um, I was going to go with Baylor to start, but I, I just don't like how they finished up the season pauses or not. Um, it just weren't playing great basketball the way that they started out. If it was flipped and they were playing the caliber of basketball they were playing in the first few months, absolutely. I would have Baylor all the way, but the way that they stumbled down the stretch to me, and it just not, does not bode well. So plus it is another one where if you're looking at the number one seeds, you very rarely get more than two. Uh, that make it into the final four. Um, so I'm just going with the numbers as well. So you've got to look in that three to four. And I've already got UConn in there, so I had to find a nice two or three seed. So Arkansas was the one that just kind of jumped up from that entire group. And it doesn't hurt to root for Moses Moody. Just just everybody become a Moses Moody fan. It's a lot of fun.
3: I talked earlier about the East region, how it should be the region that's the most wide open because we got questions about Michigan and you know, if you had to point to one other region on paper that could get sideways real quick, I really do think it's the South. And Baylor's my pick, um, but I do like the way Arkansas plays a lot. They have a really tough and sneaky tough round one game against Colgate. Colgate, a really good Ivy League team. They were good a year ago. I mean, they would have been great in last year's tournament too. This is going to be a really fast-paced, high-scoring game. I mean, I, you see all the you know, all the folks, all the pundits talking about oh, this is going to be like first one to 100. Um, they are going to get up and down. It's going to be a really exciting game. Um, Colgate can really shoot the rock. But Arkansas is so well coached with muscle men, And if they get past Colgate, you know, again, Utah State, Texas Tech could be a sneaky little 6-11 game. And whoever comes out of that, um, I, I think we'll give Arkansas a little bit of trouble. But I think overall, if you look at the rest of the region, I do like Arkansas to get to the elite eight um and play a team in Baylor that again a lot of people are doubting right now but it's just really hard for me to pick against Baylor making it to the final four Um, they've been a team that everybody has been so high on all year and I get it hasn't been great lately but you know to Ed's point earlier you know people forget how good they are um coming out of the COVID pause they didn't finish the season the way they wanted to I think they'll come into the tournament motivated and they're just really really good when they're clicking and I think they find their footing and they get back to playing the basketball. They know how to play. So I I have Baylor coming out in the South.
0: Definitely will be one that Hokie fans will be keeping their eyes on. So we'll move to the final region, the Midwest. Uh, Illinois is the one seed in this region. A lot of people have Illinois as their national title pick. We'll get to that later. Uh, This, I, I think this is maybe the toughest region to pick because you have your four seed Oklahoma State. Uh, they have the best player in the tournament, best player in the country, probably Kate Cunningham. Uh, and then you have a lot of teams like, like Tennessee is like a really bad five seed. Um, they'll go up against an Oregon state team that is hotter than maybe any team in the country right now. Uh, they're playing out of their minds. Uh, you have a team from the mountain West, like San Diego state who, how good are they really same thing with Houston, Houston really, really good record but they haven't been tested week in and week out like some of these other teams. So this is a really interesting region just because we don't know a lot about about these higher seeds. Um, I got Illinois coming out of this one. Again, similar to my Baylor pick, don't overthink it. They got the best players. Uh, They're battle-tested. Oklahoma State is going to be tough, but we have seen Oklahoma State can, you know, They're not a consistently good team. They will go off you know, every now and again, but consistently for a three, four-game stretch, they're usually not spectacular. Um, West Virginia can't shoot very well. Don't like teams that can't shoot. Houston, they ain't played nobody, Paul. And San Diego State, again, good team, but uh, I'm not sure that they are quite up to the level that they were last year. So I got the Illini coming out of this region. maybe the most exciting team to watch they are explosive at all five positions. So I really like the Illini. Brett, who do you have coming out of the Midwest?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Illinois. I think it's going to be a bloodbath to play Illinois in this, uh, in this region, in the Elite Eight. Um, I really, I just really can't justify any of the other teams. Um I just don't think Oklahoma State is just strong enough to beat Illinois if they were to get there. I think, uh, like you said, Tennessee, we don't know how good they are at a five seed. Oregon State is the hottest team in the country right now. I think their odds to win the conference were plus 10,000. Is that what, did I see that correctly? It was, um, at the they were of the kind year. of
0: projected as a last place team in the Pac-12 from, from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it was almost like a, I don't know if anybody watches Premier League, but there are people who do, compared it to like Leicester City winning the Premier League in 2015. Like that's what, that's what people are saying. That's like how rare that is to happen in a conference tournament. Um, Yeah, I mean, I got Illinois, so coming out of there. But, I mean, <laughs> Syracuse just – I don't know, man. They're just – they just scared me. San Diego State, again, is the worst team in the – worst team in the tournament give, or second worst team in the tournament giving up threes. So, I mean, it's just it's just like all signs of me pointing to Syracuse. and They could get to Illinois, man. I, if they get to Illinois, this going to be crazy because Houston hasn't played anybody. I don't know. But, I mean, Illinois has got the best – I mean, se- I think they have several NBA players on the team right now. So, I just don't think it's Illinois.
2: I also have Illinois. Um, they're way too much fun to watch. They have a guy in Andre Corbello coming off the bench who is dang near a triple-double. I mean, he was just carving it up against Iowa in the – uh, big 10 in the big 10 tournament, as well as Ohio state in the championship game. Um, they're just too deep. They have too many good players like frontline talent, Kofi Coburn and, you know, Batman out there running around with his mask on. Uh, he might, IO might be the most exciting player uh, to watch right now. He can kind of score at all three levels. He's, he's a fantastic player. And like I said, Andre Corbello off the bench is super impressive. Uh, gets people the ball where they need it to score. And, I just think the depth is gonna be too much. Uh, and the size of Kofi Coburn. I mean, I said this last night on the episode of, uh, sons of Saturday that dropped today uh, on Monday, the 15th, that, um, Kofi Coburn made Luka Garza look like a small child and Luka Garza is a very large human being and a very good basketball player. So, uh, I just think Illinois is too much and they're coming out of this region.
3: Yeah. My pick's also Illinois. Um, I think Illinois has the easiest road to the final four outside of Gonzaga out of all the one seats. Um, I just can't, going back to Brett's point, like I really just can't justify any of these other teams really just beating Illinois. I mean, I I look at Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's so hot and cold as a five. Um, Oklahoma State, I get they have Kate Cunningham, who's the best player in the country. I get all that, but. I think as far as their entire team is concerned, like Cade Cunningham can get his. I'm not sure Oklahoma State has enough to get past Illinois with the way they've been playing. Um, And then you look at the bottom half of the bracket. I don't see a single team down there who can advance, you know, far enough and get to Illinois where I think the Illini are going to have trouble with them. I just I love Illinois coming out of this region. Um, I think it's chalk. To be honest with you, I think it's very it's going to be a relatively easy road for them to get to the final four. Probably second best odds out, of, you know, in the region outs in, in all the brackets outside of Gonzaga as far as the one seeds are concerned. So, I really like Illinois. Don't want to beat a dead horse. They're really freaking good.
0: Illinois at plus one forty five. By the way, to make the final four. night no, they they remind
4: me of the you know the the Darren Williams led kind of oh four oh five type teams. Just very senior laden, really competent players up and down the roster. I think the true crime here is the fact that uh, you know, with COVID, um, not having I think it's called a state farm arena there in Champaign. It's it's a really fun arena when they're really good. Uh just that electric orange crowd kind of all the way through. But um, that's besides the point. They they just yeah, they they're in in my opinion the best team in the weakest bracket uh, other than Gonzaga. So, they, they just seem like they have a pretty good path.
0: Um, so does the winner of the Georgia Tech Loyola Chicago game have a shot to pull off a shocking upset? Because those are two really really good teams.
4: Only if I don't think Alvarado so. plays out of his mind and
0: even then yeah. that would be a stretch. Alvarado's yeah, been playing out it. of his mind for like 2 months now. Yeah. He is a man possessed. He's insane, but um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I I think Illinois is gonna
4: don't do it. Walk through this, but don't do it yourself.
0: But I but I'm not picking it, and not betting on it. But when it happens, I mentioned, and I want
4: that there's credit. No value in the eight nine. Just take that pick, crumpled up, and just throw it out. There's no value there.
0: I mean, I mean, gosh, uh, you can oil talk yourself into pretty much anything in the in country. Oil. Not that that
1: means anything. Well, oil is the best defensive team in the country. Not that that means anything. So I
2: ain't seen Kofi Coburn. No, I don't.
0: Yeah. Uh, something tells me the athletes, um, even on Georgia tech, but the athletes at Illinois are a little better than what, um, you know, Missouri state and Drake are throwing out there. Uh, so guys, we are at the point where we will pick our natty champion who is cutting down the nets in Indianapolis. I think for a year where we thought the entire way it's either Gonzaga or Baylor and probably Gonzaga. Um, This kind of ended up being a tougher pick because Michigan really came on. And I know we've talked about, we don't love Michigan right now, but they're still a very, very talented and well-coached team. Uh, Illinois just looks electric out there, especially in that bright orange crush uniforms. Um, And then you have some other sneaky picks. Um, You know, we've talked about Texas, Florida state, uh, teams like that that are that are really good um so I'll, I'll get it started here I have the Illini, uh illinois and let me check the odds i have it in my notes illinois is at plus six hundred to win the national title I think that's a great value I put a bet on it that's ten dollars to win sixty dollars um I, I I just think illinois value wise from a betting standpoint should be your team to win the national title um now will they i I don't know, you can talk me into Gonzaga, Baylor, and some others, but betting-wise, Illinois at plus 600 is really, really juicy. What was your final? Um, My final would be Gonzaga versus Illinois. And I I think, uh, at the end of the day, Illinois is the type of team that has the athletes that in a close game at the end when everyone's tired will be just a little bit too much for some of the big men from Gonzaga to hang up with. That's how that's yeah, we how
2: saw that we saw that a couple of days ago when they beat, you know, Ohio State in the Big Ten championship in overtime. They were just too much for too long. Um, I also have Illinois, uh, for the same reasons as you. Um, IO de and Kofi Coburn are just too much, too much talent. Um, you know, you got two nice best player candidates right there. Um, and they've come on late, like you said. Um, I actually had futures bets back in the middle of the season on, um, Gonzaga and Baylor to win because uh, I thought it was basically Gonzaga and Baylor versus the field, but uh, I have since been proven wrong because Illinois is a fantastic basketball team and I'm really excited to watch them. Uh, and I also have the same national championship game, Gonzaga and Illinois.
4: Do we just keep going? Cause I also have Gonzaga in Illinois. Um,
2: <laughs> and I,
4: I have Gonzaga. I'm a, I'm a believer in Mark few this year and that's solely because we talked about, it's not just the fact that they have Jalen Suggs as an elite, you know, second pick lottery pick potential coming off the board there, but um, they aren't dependent upon their bigs. They're dependent upon their wings and they are saying their guards and they have multiple guards that might get drafted in addition to Suggs. And this is a different type of Gonzaga team because of that. Um, Or we just roll to next year and hopefully they can uh, secure Chet Holmgren and then they are the 2022 national championships with a one and done uh, seven footer going there. But it just feels like this is their year places at the time, the team that they have. Um, and I just think it's going to come down to Suggs playing out of his mind uh, in this tournament and going up, it's a really deep, really talented Illinois team. It's going to be a really fun game. Um, I do think that they'll just have that little bit of an edge to it, but I really hope that's the matchup we get. Cause I feel like that would be a, a fantastic national championship game, which more than likely means it won't happen. So there you go.
3: I've Gonzaga, Illinois as well. Um, and it depends on what day with who I pick as of the time of this recording and guys don't hold me to it because I've been flip-flopping literally for days on this. I told Ed a couple days ago, I was like, dude, I think I got Gonzaga. And then this morning, you know, I texted you all in the, in the Slack. And I said, Ed, you might be right. Illinois might actually be the best team in the country. Um, I've been flip-flopping as of the time of this recording, I have Illinois penciled in on my bracket. Um, as a national champion. They're really athletic. They could give Gonzaga some trouble. Gonzaga's got some really talented big men, but it's a different kind of athleticism that Gonzaga really hasn't seen all year. Um, And that's why I think that they could potentially cause problems in a national championship game. But then I go back to it and I flip flop back to Gonzaga. And I just think about how dominant they've been all year and how good they've been. And Mark Few has coached here. You know, He's been here before, right? Um, Brad Underwood is a very good coach, but this would be a national championship game where Mark few's been there. He's been really close a couple times. He's gotten to the final four. He's had some talented Gonzaga teams, but I'm not sure he's had one quite this talented. So I've been flip-flopping. I'll go with Illinois for the sake of this recording. I'll let you guys know. You'll be able to see it in our bracket group if it changes, but we're going to go with the Illini right now.
1: Yeah. um, I have to do it. I mean, more of the same. I do. (laughs) I have more of the same. I can't do it, but. I'm going Gonzaga and uh, yes. <laughs> I'm going Gonzaga um, for, for these reasons of these stats I'm about to list off tempo. Number, number one in the tournament, Gonzaga points per game. Number one in the tournament, Gonzaga adjusted offensive, affi- adjusted offensive efficiency. Number one in the tournament, Gonzaga percent of shots in transition. Number one, Gonzaga transition, transition, efficient fuel goes Gonzaga second behind oil, Loy- Chicago, non-transition efficient field goes Gonzaga's number one percent percentage of percentage of shots at the rim Gonzaga's number one shots at <laughs> field goal percentage on shots at the rim Gonzaga's number one I mean I can go forever I mean two-point field two-point field goal percentage Gonzaga's number one I mean this team is absolutely an offensive machine and I don't think Illinois has faced a team like this all year. I mean, we keep saying, oh, Gonzaga hasn't faced a team. You know, that's this athletic. You're right. They haven't. But I don't think Illinois, out of the Big Ten, has faced an offensive team capable of what Gonzaga has done to teams. After I watched what Gonzaga did to UVA back in December, that absolute evisceration, I just couldn't believe. that. It, I, I was like, this team's going to win it all. I mean, after seeing Corey Kispert just absolutely light it up, and then like, oh, they're coming out to shoot him, and then they just pass it right down low. So they're two. They have two – Big guys that also can shoot threes, also can play on the inside. I mean, it's they just have everything, and their chemistry is just so incredible just to watch them. They're, it's, it's hard to watch them because they come on at 10 o'clock on the East Coast, but the times that I have watched them, it's just incredible to watch. Illinois is absolutely incredible team to watch. I think everybody should be rooting that for the final because it's the battle of two different types of teams, one that's super athletic going to stretch the four and one that's going to pick you apart and is going to at, and try to just beat you piece by piece on offense. So everybody should be rooting that for the championship and it's, cause it's going to be incredible. So, but I have Gonzaga just solely based off the dominance that they have. And in the tournament for me, offense wins championships, national tournament. I think almost in any other game during the regular season, defense wins you games, especially towards the end. But I really think, and when it comes down to March madness, offense wins you games. And that's why I'm picking Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, they're insane. Illinois is insane. Baylor has been at points in this season, pretty unbelievably good. Um, and, and then, you know, we talked about the uh, East region who knows with that one, it looks more like a football college football playoff from the heyday, but uh, it, it should be a really exciting bracket because we don't know what's going to happen with COVID pauses. We don't know how teams are going to handle being in the the bubble. That's not a bubble, but kind of a bubble. Um, And, you know, we have a lot of mostly Tech fans listening to this for probably the first time in Virginia Tech's history. They get a favorable matchup in the NCAA tournament relative to what it could have been. So there's a lot of really exciting games to look forward to. Um, Last thing before we round off, what was your hardest first round game to pick? Anyone toughest one? one. What's the one that you that you had to just kind of step away from?
1: I got one more prop after this too that I want that I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking we'll about talking bracket about busters. But we'll we'll hit that after this.
0: The stakes of the game or the
4: narrowness of the pick? Because I would say, narrown- what was
0: your what was your first round game that you just stood at the you just stared at the bracket for a bit?
2: Ah, there we go. All right, probably North Carolina, Wisconsin, just because they're both you know somewhat historic programs and they have a lot of talent and they've kind of had underwhelming years, but um they both shown glimpses of what they can be so that one was kind of tough to um, decide which side of the coin i wanted to land on there because they are both good programs with a lot of talent so i'll go with north carolina wisconsin Yeah,
3: that's, that's my pick as well but i think if we're going to pick something other than eight nine game um i go to the east region yukon maryland
5: mm-hmm.
3: maryland's been so jackal and hyde um ed and i have talked about it a ton, just because ed's got family that uh went to maryland and he's been following them really closely all year They've been so hot and cold. UConn's a really fun team under Hurley. Um, that that was a really tough opening round game uh, for me to pick.
0: I am one hundred percent going to go to Clemson, Rutgers, because I don't think either of those teams are very good. I mean, they both play like really. They both look like two high schools that are more football schools, and their football players play basketball in the off season. That's what it kind of looks like when they play like they're none of them are very good at basketball, but they're just good athletes. Um, that was one I, I, you know, my mother would be proud. I literally stood up from my desk and said, let me pray on this one. Like I had no idea who to pick for that game. I ended up picking Rutgers because Clemson can't, you know, make layups and things like that. Chris, is that what you
4: had? It's the it's, it's guaranteed to be the ugliest game to watch. It's going to look like uh a, it's going to look like a pickup game. They should literally just all line up and just literally pick down the line of each other's players interchangeably and play a mixed squad game. Um it, it's going to be horrible looking basketball and, and that's saying something in a tournament that has Syracuse. So
1: how was Rutgers in the tournament? I'm sorry. 1 and 7 versus top 25. 15 and uh, 11 500 in the Big 10. Is it because the Big 10 is so power- strong this year? I mean that has to be it.
0: I think that has something to do with it. And I also think they had a lot of injury issues to start the Big Ten season. So maybe they're thinking, okay, they're healthy now. They're going to be a bit better. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Clemson's a seven seed. I, I, I have yeah. no idea how Clemson's a seven seed.
1: I think the hardest one for me, honestly, I stared at it for a long time, but then I just was diving in the stats. And I really think for me, it was San Diego State and Syracuse. I just, the longest time I'm like, San Diego State is the better team. I, on paper, they are the better team. As Chris was saying earlier, I mean, they they are the better team. They lost one player to the draft, but they brought everybody back. But I'm just thinking about Syracuse and what they've done the last few times they've been to the tournament as a double-digit seed. And Jim Boeheim's been here before and done all this before. And I just kept diving it in, and I'm just like, I'm just going to roll with it with Syracuse. So, yeah, that was the hardest one for me for sure. And my one prop bet is not necessarily that you had to pick it on your bracket you don't have to There's not a gun to your head or anything but what which game has a possibility for the biggest upset in the tournament fair enough
3: i got um i didn't pick it but colgate over arkansas i think could be a pretty big upset i knew you were gonna say that colgate over arkansas is the the 314 i mean i i don't see any 215 upsets on the board if you're picking a 314 i think that's the one just
2: given the style play and the similarities there I knew you were going to say that, and I will give you a 215. And all I'm going to say is Rick Patino.
0: <laughs> Dude, they played like Iona, five games this Iona year. Iona
2: over Alabama. Let's see it.
0: Oh, man. I guess they played 17 yeah. games.
2: Yeah. Get that
0: man back
4: in Power Five basketball. It got mentioned, but the Ohio Virginia matchup for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's 13 over four. It's been done before. I think Virginia is a pretty soft number four overall this year. And, you know, a, a team with Becky High Clark is just, I don't think it's that much going into this time of the year. So I think that they can get upset.
0: Um, One that not a lot of people are picking. I'm not picking, but I really thought about it. Moorhead State over West Virginia. Moorhead State yep. has been on an absolute tear to end the season. They beat a Belmont team that the only game Belmont lost this season before that, they basically had all their starters injured. Like, Moorhead State could beat West Virginia. We've talked about West Virginia. They're not a very good shooting team, which is kind of an issue when you play a sport where you have to get the ball into you know, the bucket. Could be an issue. Moorhead State could win that. They, they really could. Um, I believe last time they were in the tournament, they upset Louisville, correct? Believe they did. Um, and another one, just Cleveland represent Cleveland state 15 seed over Houston. Uh, Cleveland state has been pretty good all year, uh, consistently good. They haven't played a really tough schedule, but, um, they're a fun team to watch. And I just don't like Houston for some reason. I don't know.
2: I'll add one thing before we close out. I do want to touch on, um, Virginia tech women are in the tournament as a seven seed. Uh, against 10-seed Marquette, so there's a little bit of a Buzz Williams connect there. And um, I will also add this. We talked about UConn guard play already on the men's side, but if you do happen to flip on the women's tournament and watch UConn, their freshman guard, Paige Beckers, is absolutely ridiculously good. Um, she averaged, I believe, 19, 6, and 5 this year as a true freshman. So if you want to continue the UConn guard play train, um, pop that on if it's if you're you know looking for something to watch on Sunday or Monday, I think, one of the two days they play.
0: Yep. Shout out to Kenny Brooks and the women's program at Virginia Tech. Much, much improved over the last few years, as is the men's program. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for the locks of Saturday edition of the March Madness preview from the Sons of Saturday. Uh, We are so excited to have brackets to fill out. It's one of the best times of the year. Everybody enjoy. Happy March Madness. Sit on your butt, eat bad food, and watch a whole lot of basketball. Enjoy.
5: To wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know what you're thinking.